Well, hello, this is Gary, and you're listening to Thinking Out Loud. Today's podcast recorded on a Friday <clears throat> in April, April 7th, 2022. Pondering the uh, billionaire tax, wealth taxes that are being, uh, coming into greater light in recent days. Really, over many years now, there's been more and more of a push for this sort of thing where a taxing of indulgence, of an extreme overindulgence, extreme concentrated wealth, exorbitant amounts of wealth pooling in a tiny, tiny group of people, and its ownership stakes in the economy. The wealth allows said individuals to sort of dictate the control of the economy, dictate the flow, as well as dictate the flow of government. They can buy off political officials and stuff and such. So it's an exorbitant amount of power that comes with that exorbitant amount of wealth. Wealth that they're able to maintain virtually in, in perpetuity, even with wealth taxes and such. You know, even if their wealth above a really big number gets taxed at a really high rate, you know, 70-80% of wealth earned in a year, income earned in a year is going to be taxed above at 70% if it's anything above 10 million. Even after after they pay their tax bill, yeah, they're, they're still extremely affluent. They, they would still be way up there. So it's sort of like a, a necessary thing because we have this tiny group of people, a few thousand really, with exorbitant amounts of money, exorbitant amounts. And its I don't think it's properly articulated how much exorbitantly more they have and what they're able to do with it than the masses. What they have as a tiny collective, and not necessarily working in cohesion necessarily. Each individual person sends their respective monies to said candidates and such and spends their money and how they spend it. But there tends to be kind of uh, uh, traits that are common uh, among this particular group. You know, Not everyone in that upper, upper ends of the socioeconomic ladder behaves in a way that just allows them to accrue more wealth without any regard to in, you know, investing directly into society. Uh, there's many that, yeah, it, it's purely about increasing their affluence and power. And that's what they kind of view their time on this planet about, is about leaving the biggest and most widest footprint ever, you know. Having the most stuff, being the winner of the... Uh, wealthiest race, you know, accumulating a massive estate that would rival most towns, if not states entirely, you know, and so it becomes a situation where the entire objective of the economy, because, you know, that tiny group of people that owns the economy, they own the economy, so the entire objective of the economy is to, in reality, prop up that tiny group of people 
What do they do on a day-to-day -day basis? They're the owners of companies. They own stuff. Yeah. What does that mean? It means they collect a dividend. The, the companies that they own are very successful and profitable. And they earn a dividend. And other benefits as well. An ever-increasing value of said companies. Again, what the question may be percolating continually. So what is it that they do to earn, quote-unquote, all those massive amounts of monies? Well, that, that is kind of the kicker. Yeah. Many of them don't really have to do really anything. Kind of have other people do all the work of running the organization for them. Yeah. And the real, like, boots on the ground kind of thing, workers, they're going to be way down on the level of importance on the sort of pyramid of the organization. Main majority of the benefit of the organization is going to go to the owners. And then second in line are going to be the executives running the company. And that's going to be kind of about it. There is going to be a view that, yes, you do indeed need to pay people to do the work. If you don't want to do it yourself. But that's going to be viewed as must be maintained at an absolute minimum. So these are the types of entities that that small concentration of wealthy people own. Entities that don't pay people a very good salary. Not one that you can live on. And they also kind of dictate the flow of the economy. They can kind of uh, absorb... A couple different sectors of a small town economy and kind of eliminate competition I mean amongst many different competitors you might have a nice little niche economy one sort of blockchain plops in there takes a giant dump on your small town and then basically drives out many different small businesses in a nice fail swoop once you invite the uh, corporate anchor store in other corporate stores soon follow They'll not offer nice, shitty hourly wage jobs that suck, where there's few benefits. You probably have to get on food stamps. It'll become a more dreary feel to your cool little niche town. Rinse, recycle, repeat. And if uh, it booms, if you know, it's kind of a boom-bust kind of thing. Sometimes towns are just the right size to where the corporation can kind of really drain resources for nice, just nice and kind of prop up the facade of a flurry of wonderful economic activity. But there'll be this sort of elephant in the room if it's a small sort of isolated town that's maybe not truly connected to other places or has a whatever. The, the money being spent at that location is going to be leaving and not really coming back. So there'll be kind of a, a slow decay, while others maybe get, who own, that have some ownership stake in that location, they'll maybe receive nice dividends, and be able to expand their estate very nicely. Those who do not own that location, though, um, yeah, it's going to become harder and harder to get by. That's how it goes, because the, the corporate sector is not really focused on being circular or something you know it's not it's just grow continuously endlessly and regardless of uh, what 
the effects are on others or whatever. It, you know, it's just increased profits, increased shareholder value. And so a lot of it is a, a propping up of a certain facade. You know, all of a sudden you got this, uh, like my hometown, wetlands cleared out to wake, make way for the Walmart. Then there was a safe win at a Blockbuster. Once Blockbuster went out of business, now it's a PetSmart. And then uh, Albertsons, and that changed to a Safeway. Walmart's has stayed steady. The woods along the hillside, all clear-cut. Now there's nice big mansions. And plenty of shitty corporate hourly wage jobs in my hometown for any of many of the major corporate locations. Any of the fast food chains you want, they're all there. So if you're a young kid, you know, don't want to join the military and you didn't get a scholarship to college and you're not quite uh, have enough money to, uh, you know, just pay for college outright, well, yeah, you get a job at McDonald's, Jack and Box, Burger King, Taco Time, Taco Bell, Wendy's, there's also Home Depot, Walmart, Safeway, you got Big Five, it's even an Applebee's. All in a town of only about 30,000 people. All the corporate locations you'd ever need. Next city's a good uh, 40 minutes away, though, to have all the similar locations. So, all the corporate plethora you could ever want. I hate going back to my hometown, and every the longer I go without going through the... Because there's still remnants of what it once was, you know. There's still the same basic layout, but it's just... The corporate footprint is just more now, and uh, any attempts at it, I don't know, retaining some kind of quaintness, I don't know, it just doesn't really have it. There's still little pockets of it here and there, it's still some old neighborhoods where you got to kind of drive around the oak tree that's in the middle of the road type thing. You know, it's cool that those kind of neighborhoods still exist. They they always, you know, suburbia is kind of boring. You know, I like neighborhoods where every single house is a little different, like totally different. Like it's a, just a different architect. Each there was an architect that designed a specific house, and then the neighbor's house was designed by a different architect, different scheme and everything. It's just the, you know. And then if you don't dig that house, then why would you buy it <clears throat> if it's up for sale? If the only purpose is to just, well, I want to tear it down and put in a new house because that's the only spot where I got to. But I don't know. There's only so much space to for people to reside, and some people take up quite a bit of space. It's like, where does everyone go? Because then you want a fair amount of space for people just to roam about, and then you want a fair amount of space that's probably just left like as untouched as possible, where it's maybe still like maybe the right kind of people can go and look at from time to time, but maybe preferably from a distance, because even just the looking at it, you're kind of fucking with it. Humans don't need to set foot on every single square centimeter of this planet, you know? But I suppose that's our objective, but knowing as much about the place is probably good. Probably help a lot of humans to have more of a connection to our planet, you know? A lot of people that lead the country that don't seem to have much of a connection at all. It's it's more just 
They view their job as to just play some sort of role of opposition to humanity, you know? Like, there's a very popular political organization in the United States of America whose kind of main legislative platform is, like, being against health care as a right, being against education as a right. They're against universal basic income. They're pro-tax cuts for wealthy. They're pro-tax cuts for corporations. They're pro-building a wall on the along the southern border between us and Mexico, a 2,000-long mile border uh, between us and Mexico along the in the middle of the desert. There'd be huge sections of the wall that would just be in the middle of the fucking desert. No river or anything, no natural barrier at all. It's just, this is where the border is. So, so then, then there would be like weird contours in it and stuff too for no good reason. Just because that's where the official mark is of, of where the, you know, where the border is. It's right here at this spot in the middle of the desert. So we got to disrupt migratory patterns and uh, of animals and the like and cause possible flooding and natural disasters that would just kind of be a thing we'd have to deal with um, on purpose. And we're going to have to pay billions of dollars to do it, to build a fucking wall in the middle of the desert. Yeah. So... That's like one of the organizations. That's like that was like a key part of their, not so much their legislative agenda, the wall thing. That was a key part of their rhetoric to get the candidate they picked elected. He was he was going to build build a wall, um, in the middle of the desert. And, uh, that really got people excited for some reason. They quite understand the whole thing. It's a very strange time. It's weird that it's they're still threads of it still pulling strong today you know the guy that whose whole campaign was to build a fucking wall in the middle of the desert got elected because that was his promise you know that 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 made people want to vote for him it, it didn't make them like fuck that guy what the fuck is wrong with that guy it didn't make them like that it, it made them like yay wall I was at a, a half-filled auditorium once, listening to a group of people uh, eagerly um, yearn for the wall, build the wall, build the wall. They, they kind of chanted it in a, in, a, in a boisterous, loud voice, all, I don't know, six or seven hundred of them or so. Uh, it was a 2,000 capacity uh, auditorium, and it was less than half full, so it was bringing up maybe more like several hundred or so, but... Needless to say, um, <clears throat> it was, uh, that was a strange, surreal day, one I'll never forget. I actually got to see, you know, a man who later became president, and had kind of always kind of loathed and been, kind of just one of those, <laughs> chickens, <laughs> man had always uh, just loathed and uh, just annoyed by just that he was on TV and a, and, and a personality, you know, but like, whatever, when someone's just an annoying celebrity, it's just, whatever, you just change the channel or don't watch him or something, but he was one of those that was just kind of force-fed, you know, it's just like, you were gonna hear about him, you grew up in a certain time and place, I grew up in the 1980s, the 90s, 
So I heard a lot about Donald John Trump. I heard about him all the time. Every time he was bankrupt in a company, every time he was caught cheating on his wives, every time he was getting sued, that's it would make the news. And then uh, that would, you know, create fame for him. And then he would use that fame to be famous, and then he would, like, appear at stuff as, like, that guy, Donald Trump, you know, um, the whatever business guy, whatever it is that people thought he was famous for, is just a wealthy asshole but that just kind of did whatever he wanted and never seemed to have to pay any consequences for it. Um, that, that was it. Just kind of went on and on and on. And then in the late 90s, after his sixth bankruptcy, the U.S. bank stopped lending him money and seemed like he was going to disappear. And then, boop, dump. It was, just, it was a short hiatus, just a couple years or so, and then it was right as I was getting into my major in college, that's when uh, he started hosting a business-themed game show, and then, uh, yeah. <sighs> just, uh, it's just... I don't know, it, it, it almost, it, it, it's, I don't think things like the United States are just trying to, it's like trying to hold on to something that was maybe, maybe drifted away a while ago, you know, like our country already allowed Donald John Trump to be the president, I mean, what are we trying to, who are we trying to fool here, you know, like, that actually happened, like, how did that guy pass a security check that doesn't make any sense and um, I guess but I, I don't think that's a specific part of the provision or something or by, you know of the constitutions that a president has to pass a security check background check um, but I don't know it's uh so I think but the government is so vast and, and, and was allowed to grow through big, massive spending. It wasn't just Democrats, but Republicans too, you know. it's And how, where do they spend that money on? And uh, there's a lot of uh, conservative-controlled leadership times where the spending was focused on military and increasing the size and scope and power and lethalness of the military and what they're capable of doing, as well as spy technology. Yeah, some of it's called the Patriot Act. It's kind of in the post-9-11 insanity. I got caught up in myself. I started meeting with a, a marine recruiter. Like I even took the ASVAB. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was considering it pretty strongly. But thankfully that did not happen. But in that whole era, there was a lot of uh, sort of justifying certain things that are not justifiable uh, because of, you know, we're fighting terror, even though they would, over time, it took a while, but over time, it was eventually real that it was it was all just kind of nonsense. And we got to invade this country, you know, a few months after 9-11 because uh, they have weapons of mass destruction. We must do this. And then do that, topple the thing, weapons of mass destruction never revealed, but at the same time, there's a certain like, oh, well, you know, we, we got rid of Saddam Hussein, but then, 
Saddam Hussein's removed and all, but then the war just kind of keeps going. Fighting just keeps continuing. I mean, the president of the time lands on an aircraft carrier, a big banner, mission accomplished. Many more people died after that uh, banner was sprung. There was a lot of, uh, you know, many years ago, but that was certainly conservative. A lot of people with ours next to their name that were pro that war, the kind of that Iraq invasion. But then it was people with these in their name that sw eventually switched the focus to Afghanistan, fighting a group of terrorists known as the Taliban. In Iraq, there was supposedly Al-Qaeda and other, but there was supposedly weapons of mass destruction, but they were never found. And then when it was clear that there was none, there was no exit strategy. A puppet was in attempted to be in place in Iraq, and obviously that did not work out. So, a lot of times the uh, Republican leadership's view of military is just bigger, badder, more lethal, with the ability to invade more easily, to gobble up resources if need be, to, you know, fund the big massive machine that is our economy. It has to grow and expand continuously in order to prop up those that have given them money. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. The military-industrial complex. It's a big, vast complex, you know. It's, it's a big, massive machine unto itself. That, ironically enough, was the term was coined by a Republican. Dwight D. Eisenhower, back in the 1950s. The military-industrial complex. Vast, vast networks of, you know, for-profit partnerships, you know, with government funds to prepare for and engage in war, you know. It's a big, big, massive business. And there's people that profit quite dramatically from engaging in such endeavors. And it's... Uh, it's unfortunately another key part of, uh, you know, one of the two options we're presented in the society. It's a key part of their agenda. It's kind of increasing the size and scope and power of the military and what they're capable of and the sort of connections it's able to have to, with various for-profit interests and kind of commingling of interests on for-profit entities and the interests of the United States of America. You know, for-profit entities, its purpose is to earn a profit. But, you know, the United States military's interest should be protecting the interests of the United States military. But it gets confused and distorted very easily. And so... Yeah. Making one even to the point of, you know, worrisome of even, like, you know, recording said thoughts and making them available on the World Wide Web. Um, you don't want to make people uh, too woke in not just one context of the idea, I guess. You know, why would people why would people object to being woke, woken up, alive, awake, alert, enthusiastic? It's another way of saying it. Are you awake or are you sleepwalking through life? I do sometimes wonder myself because the 
especially over the last many years, just a certain surreal nature of it, and kind of settling into the surreally, surrealness of it. You know, Donald John Trump, that fucking guy from when I was a kid, he was on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, actually became President of the United States. I saw him speak at a presidential campaign rally, and it was as, as absurd and ridiculous as one would imagine it would be like to hear Donald Trump speak live. You know, he's, you know, he's an incompetent, stupid man that leaves quite a bit to be desired, you know. He's, he's no leader. How, how did that ever come to be that people would think such a thing? It was just, uh, and he was boring, you know. Like, even people that were enthusiastically for him when they got there, they started shuffling out, you know, halfway through his speech. Just, hmm. I don't know. He's uh, he's still around, still to this day, still lingering around. Maybe that's uh, certain destiny or something. Somehow, my fucking path has to intertwine with Donald John Trump's former president now of the United States of America. Maybe that'll lead to my own sort of. I don't know, rebirth, Donald Trump's more speedily demise. Don't wish the man any uh, physical pain or anything, ill will, just, just what's coming to him, you know, he's caused a lot of damage to our society, it's just... He needs to go away, you know, stop being politically relevant anymore, you know, it's it's embarrassing that he still is, I don't, I don't really understand why journalists have any obligation to pretend that Donald John Trump is politically relevant. Yes, there's this cult of personality guy that's still lingering around, who's able to dupe enough people into voting for him in 2016, so he was able to become president. He then used that power for his own personal gain. And he did it fully out in the open. And this is barely an opinion. It's really just stating what happened. It's part of the presidential history of the United States of America now. So, yes, there are millions of people that really think he's awesome and don't think any of the things I just said are true. Okay, that's they're entitled to their beliefs. It's free speech. Journalists have a certain obligation, though, to kind of like, you know, I get that they're supposed to be unbiased, but they they got to present options when it comes to political representations and stuff. That's their job, you know, to talk about the three branches. Donald Trump is a member of zero branches of government currently. He's a former member of the executive branch. So what? Okay, we don't need to hear about what Bill Clinton's up to every day or George W. So, and it's certainly not tradition to do so. So he's no longer the president, whether he's running 2024 or not. Who cares? It doesn't really matter. Again, even even if he's the former president, it doesn't matter what what his opinions are, what he's saying on a day-to-day -day basis. It is it doesn't isn't necessarily news. Even if he's the former president, we he does not have to be discussed every single day. So you know, I think uh, I'd like to hear more options. Who who else is out there? You know, that's you know running for office and stuff in various areas. Let's hear about them journalists that 
put a microphone in their face and you know the ones that are openly openly declaring they're running for office and stuff and various seats Gary Chambers Jr. of Louisiana is a good one that should get more publicity on the mainstream news because yeah that's that's the type of people you need you know and I think eventually I think some of the uh, conservative pundits arguments are going to start falling more flat when they just try to like glob the entirety of the diverse population of the United States of America into weird little group it's just I don't know I don't know how long this shtick is going to last. It, it, it seems like there's a, still too big of a chunk. A minority, but still too big a group of folks that really think that the Republican rhetoric is awesome and going to, like, make their lives better somehow, some way, you know? I don't really, I don't really quite understand the connection. But, you know, to each his own, I guess, to a certain degree, but it's just like, why make things more difficult? Like, life wasn't meant to be easy, I get that, but, like, why purposely make it more difficult than it's necessary to be, you know? Like, why fight against health care as a right? Why is that a thing? Where does, How does one get to that kind of headspace where they're, like, feel that they have a imperative to, like, I don't know, deny healthcare coverage. We, we can't do this. We can't have well-run hospitals that, like, take care of people and where money's not the issue. You're, like, there's no concern of the money. There's not a, you know, costs are allocated and stuff like that, and there's funding of the hospital, but, like, it's a well-funded hospital so that when people get sick in there, they can go there and get healed, you know. There's an, there's, there's an organization, one of the two options in the United States of America for political representation, where a key part of their platform is that those places that already exist, called hospitals, that have medical staff that take care of people and cure people of illness and stuff, those places should be a privilege based off of how much money you have. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like, why does that have to be a privilege? You know, especially considering, you know, some of the very specific people that organization is representing are billionaires with a B. So it's like, you know, I get they want to be wealthy. There's this group of people that wants to be wealthy. They could still be wealthy, especially compared to the average person. And we would have hospitals where people can go when they get sick and need to be healed. And... If you if you start blabbering about socialism, you gotta a breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Another good one is to take a nice deep breath, inhale, and then like another nice inhale after you have that full breath. It gets the nice little uh, and so it'll help calm your brain a little bit. So you can think more clearly. Because you've been trained to have a particular response to universal health care, universal education. You've been trained to think socialism. It's an, like an auto-response. 
to the point where even if, if you're hearing these words now, you may have already tried tuned out change the channel because like it's too much it, or it, it conflicts too much with well, that means socialism that's bad even if it isn't socialism yeah because socialism is a very specific thing you know it has a variety of attributes to it and it is not just healthcare is right and education is right there's more to it that things that are bad so our society could certainly choose to have hospitals and schools that are publicly funded and still have businesses. In other words, a, a, an economy where certain there's certain foundational stuff that's covered, but people are allowed to earn pretty much as much as they want. When you get up to the crazy intense levels of earnings, when you've reached the ceiling, that's way up there plenty high, more than enough for anyone to earn in a lifetime, and yet it would be the cap in a year, but not even a cap, just a kind of a, a slow it down there, bud, huh, type of thing, and if you're not able to, then huge portions of that amount above an extremely high number, 10 million in a year, is going to get refunneled back into that foundation that you yourself, the billionaire, was certainly building off of. But without those foundational investments, what that billionaire is building off of is sort of a false foundation because it's basically building a big giant pyramid off of the backs of real live people working and hustling and busting it day in, day out. Thousands and thousands of people. In many cases, they're busting their butt and not getting adequate value for their work. And really, in our economy, there's exceptions to the rule. They tend to be mostly in small business. Every small business uh, experience I would have, I would take over the corporate experience, even ones that kind of pootered out towards the end or whatever. It's, uh, yeah, knowing the owner directly is always a good thing. Much better experience tends to be just a better, generally speaking, there can be a better dividend, if you will, for, you know, direct participation in this one particular entity. A lot of corporations just aren't designed that way, you know. And when they own the economy, then it's basically, they can dictate the cost of everything. So, we become simply just subjects to it. So, one of the ways, the easiest ways to kind of start leveling the playing field, and leveling the playing field does not mean everyone plays, makes the same, it just means it's a level playing field, you know. Sports, it happens all the time where two teams are playing in a level playing field, but one team just dominates the shit out of the other team. It's a blowout. That's a level playing field, you know. But, you know, in athletics, the score can only get so insane. You can only win by so much, you know. There's sort of a cap, almost a, kind of a time limit, basically, or something. Something will kind of put an end to the to the uh, brutality or whatever. I've been on both sides of those in baseball and rugby and basketball. Well, maybe not so much on the dominant winning side in basketball, but definitely losing side in basketball. A few little four-ways flirtations with some winning here and there.
So I'm hopeful. Maybe it's just spring. Corona seeming seeming enough to be drifting sort of kind of away, but although it's still around for sure. As I said, hopes that we, our country can start moving in a better direction, just better options being presented, and a more clear description of what one of the two options is. It's harder to give a real clear description of, like, the Democrats, because they're just, the reality is they're just the other option. The Republicans are the, you know, pro-tax cuts for the wealthy, pro-tax cuts for corporations, anti-healthcare is a right, anti-education is a right, abortion should be a crime, the growing, selling, and possessing of cannabis should be a crime. There should be uh, strict governmental regulations on certain types of medical procedures, um, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the cast of characters within the organization: you got Matt Gates, Ted Goes, or Ted Gomer, uh, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan. Um, so, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, of course, Donald John Trump. Just kind of a, and there's many, many others. Uh, there's some other names that are very, very prevalent in the news too. That yeah, they're just, just jackals. They're just, they're just awful. I mean, what they do with their power. It's like, it, it'd be one thing if they were characters in a movie, and and that 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 makes you wonder though. You, you'd almost, I just would prefer they were just absurd characters in a movie. It would be better or something. You know, just villains in a movie, but no, that that's real life, actual representing people's interests on the big national level with massive amounts of power, and there's only one other options besides them. And the kind of the way that the states are drawn out, the way districts are measured, they kind of are able to retain a certain level of power, no matter what, just because how they're able to control certain media sources and such, and and get kind of a direct funnel of information to certain segments of the population that are susceptible to their kind of nonsense. They, you know, they gobble it up, you know. I wish there was just more options. I think more options would be a way to weaken the Republican. But there's always this fear that, like, more options would just make the Republican Party even stronger or something. But that's why there has to be more conservative options, too. That's just leftist, you know. People who work hard for a living and want a small, fiscally conservative government based on Christian values, all of which are things that uh, I'm pro, but but I'm a hippie liberal, you know, whatever, I mean, whatever, people, whatever political label they want to call me, I, I don't really give a shit, you know, uh, most of my, like, healthcare should be a right, education should be a right type stuff, universal basic income should be a right type thing is because I grew up in the church, you know, like, it's kind of, to me, it's just kind of no-duh type stuff, you know. Yeah, we, we have, we should have hospitals, you know. Yeah, you should make sure there's hospitals so that when people get sick, they can go there. But how does a health insurance company retain a profit? Who gives a fuck about a health insurance company? Like, why is that a concern of political officials? You know, I, yeah, that's a particular sector of the economy that's been able to inflate itself because of a particular need of humans not being met properly and they've been able to take advantage of that and basically exploit it um, to extremely lucrative means now over if they have not made other investments over the last many decades to uh, restructure their particular entity into a different way uh, well that's their problem and that's 
that's how it goes in business in capitalism <laughs> the Republican Party is just such a strange organization because they're all for socialism for the wealthy and big massive corporations a you know, big massive corporation does a bunch of dumb things and may force itself to go bankrupt okay man tough shit corporate overlords too bad. That's how it goes. Don't get so big. You know, it makes you makes you, you should stay small and manageable. You know, but you know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of difficulty managing themselves, and then they get, you know, they're allowed to obtain big, vast amounts of resources, and including people that they have a certain direct responsibility for in many ways, and you know. They have no idea how to manage truly all the people associated with that entity. You know, it's too overwhelming. The, the entity into itself is just too massive to truly think on a humane level or something, you know. The people just become numbers, you know. you got, you got to boil it down just to a balance sheet. And that's how most corporate entities work. It's just out of necessity. Certain level of humanity has to be sort of lessened in order for the entity to thrive thoroughly. And there has to be a certain willingness among many within the entity to embrace this aspect. If you're not able to do it, at least on some level, uh, you, you won't last too long. If you're too human, if you're just robustly human, if you're not willing to just kind of temper at least some of your humanity, you're going to struggle in the corporate empire. But if you can kind of find ways to express it, uh, for me in my time in call center environment, three and a half years, charter communications, retention, working retention of a cable company. Yeah. Every once in a while there'd be the random option of just taking a day off right before I'd even take a call. And those were just such exciting, wonderful days. Enjoyed them thoroughly. Usually you would spend them running or hiking around or sometimes some time at a casino. Sometimes all the above. Just a good random free-flowing day just out and about into the wild. Just away from the bog of the corporate structure. One of 300 plus on the floor. My location one of six or seven or so, you know. All across the U.S. and couple other countries the entity I worked for the person who run the entity I think they're see the CEO their salary was something upper single-digit millions I think certainly millions my best year there working in the grind of the call center three and a half years and all kinds of varying changing of how we got paid sometimes doing very nicely like one year I made 41000 That was a very nice year because I only averaged like 35 hours a week. So it was a, it was a nice year. But they were always tweaking the pay scale because they didn't want to pay us too much. You know, they had a CEO that made millions of dollars, but us getting paid a couple hundred bucks more a paycheck. It was like, oh, what's going on here? You know. Because uh, you, you would certainly find the little tricks. It's all about... It's all about repackaging. 
It was all my thing. Calling they have an issue about the bill. I can definitely help you out with the bill. And after dinner, we can do a quick account overview and make sure you got the best uh, services available for the price you're looking for. You know, it's basically just a way to transition to a sales call. Any kind of like restructuring of what they do, then it's like a kind of counts as like an at bat or something. You know, kind of goes towards your batting average. And it was all based off retained revenue. So the more calls I could take where they weren't maybe wanting to cancel, but I can transition it into a sales call, then the more uh, commissions I can make and stuff. So, and, but they're constantly tweaking and then just being one of many and just, just, you know, in the grind, cog in the machine. So it's been many years now. I've left the corporate empire behind. It's mostly been small business, mostly. A, a short foray back to the corporate world a few years ago. Right before Corona, I was working at Aaron's Furniture for a couple months, and then Corona hit, drifted back to a small town. I find it far more... just better. There's negatives. Work is work. Job is a job. Profit company is a profit company, but it's a little more in the day to day. Less shitty. <laughs> and there's some jobs that are nice and actually feel kind of good to work, go towards, and excited to go to. And uh, that's most ideal. So there's a lot of things that go into like a billionaire tax. There's a lot of opportunities opened up without really causing any hardship to the people having to pay that tax. They're going to whine and complain and pay for a lot of advertising and stuff to try to convince you that the world is going to come to an end and the sky is falling because, you know, they, they won't have quite as much money as they do now, those wealthy, exorbitantly wealthy people. They're going to phrase it in a different way. They're going to talk of, like, inflation and stuff and whatever. It's like, no. I'm just going to make sure that hospitals and schools are free. Um, you, the individual person earning exorbitant amounts of money, are going to have to pay a higher percentage tax. If it forces you to downsize the size of your state, okay. Like, the, the, the wealthy folks, well, I'm going to take my money and leave. Oh, oh, okay. Alrighty. Um, any money you have in the United States is in the United States is going to be subject to, to, to applicable tax law here in the United States. Living in the United States, working in the United States, earning money in the United States is going to be applicable to the United States tax code. So if you don't want to invest in the United States economy, that's that's your prerogative. Fuck off. If you don't, it, it's your money. So, okay, yeah. So, um, I, 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 so that means you're going to be selling off your estate. Okay, you can do that at any time, billionaire. I'm going to take my money and go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that means you're going to sell off your estate. You're going to try to, and if you're going to try to flip it for cash, you're, you're not going to be able to probably sell it for the price you bought it for. But you'll try to. I don't know. Um, so it'll really just be kind of a changing of hands and maybe like, because not everyone of the billionaires would leave or something, you know. I, I don't... 
they're going to resort to all kinds of weird rhetoric with the if the billionaire taxes type stuff gets more popular in message the republican party's arguments against it are going to be flabby and nonsensical and a lot of distracting they're they're going to change the subject you know people making more than 10 million dollars in one year are going to pay a 70% tax on the portion above 10 million in one year it's important to slow down because people like Matt Gates such a whiny little bitch uh, that guy is just an awful awful character like he's actually a representative of the state of Florida though amazing you know just a uh, you know there are some decent people in the Republican Party but they're few and far between, and the ones that are good, they get censured by the leadership within the organization. So it's just, uh, need more options within that, within conservative side political punditry or whatever, that are like not, that this weird, what the modern day Republican is, you know, there's got to be something better for, is. The divisiveness, it just gets silly sometimes, you know? Like, I like to have a good time and stuff, and relatively liberal, I suppose, but I'm a, a pretty conservative. Reserved is another way of thinking of conservative, and like conserving of resources. Conserve. I mean, it's not like what's conservative about Donald John Trump? Nothing. Nothing's conservative about him. He's, he's, he's about as far removed from that term as you can get. I, I don't really understand. It's this weird, like, upside-down definitions of terms and stuff in the modern era. It's like language and definition of... Well, even the word surreal has kind of lost its meaning and stuff. You know? Successful businessman. What does that term mean? There's a lot of confu differing attitudes towards that term, successful businessman. Yeah. There's many people that legit, even to this day, would refer to, what, what would you describe Donald Trump prior to him being president? They would say, he, oh, he was a successful businessman, successful real estate developer. It's like, how does that... It's like, that's the image he presented... The news, it should have been made more clear, present that note. He's presenting an image that is false, but they also should have not even bothered presenting his image, because who cares? Why is he even news? Why is he not just purely tabloid news? But he would always drift into the mainstream somehow, some way. Well. So now it's like post that, but he was able to get three Supreme Court justices confirmed. Republican Party, many of them voted against a perfectly legitimate Supreme Court justice, even though they did vote for their guy, Kavanaugh, who was not good, you know, should not have been confirmed. Serious red flags there. Then they also have another conservative judge whose wife was uh, attempting to participate in a coup. So, that's not good. Clarence Thomas, his wife Jeannie, 
it's uh Not a good thing that that's happened, you know, but I'm not sure how many, many people are even aware of it. They just kind of, I don't know. I think it's because they accepted, they accepted the Donald Trump pres premise. And then realize that no, the, the fraud was Trump. He was committing the fraud and doing it fully out in the open. It's just frustrating. I just, just if we should go away and we can start moving forward and upward, you know, we could be so much better. You know, it doesn't have to be puppy dogs and rainbows or what ice cream, whatever the fuck. It's just, it could be it's just better, you know. Like more opportunity. So if you want to go out and get it, you actually have the chance. There's not systematic pressures pushing you down in order to build up a tiny group. And that's kind of the way our society is structured now, and it's just becoming more apparent, you know. There's all kinds of systematic oppression, keeping people kind of down, make, just making things as difficult as possible for many, while other things are just like, helping keep aloft people then maybe don't deserve to be as, as as aloft as they are they can't maintain the wealth that they've become accustomed to the lifestyle they've become accustomed to having to pay a wealth tax well then maybe they shouldn't be wealthy i mean do you think mark cuban would have any difficulty paying a wealth tax no dude's got his shit organized who the fuck cares about having to pay a wealth tax he would have he would have no issues paying that no he may argue against it in principle, but that's a different matter. If he had to pay the wealth tax, he would have no problem paying it. Because he has his shit organized. Donald Trump? No. Like, he would struggle. Because it's all propping up, and he would try to pretend like he's losing money, and there would be... No, sorry. Then you need to sell off shit. <laughs> then you're too big. You're not managing your assets properly. So anyway... I'm hoping for a lot of hope. I don't know, just more. Something about the last few years feeling like the world's crashing in, falling down, and whatever. How many days do you have? Might as well voice out stuff and see if it could spur something more positive and also if I can get involved in other things more directly. And a lot of times I wonder if I'm just all talk. Used to be more active in things. At least fundraising and philanthropic endeavors. And, uh, you know, being a good, well, a decent mentor, kids and stuff. Be nice to be, yeah, just a different kind of mental, yeah, because I do curse a lot and I do have certain bad habits, but not all bad. I like to think I have a decent amount of good. I like think most people do too. And uh, so if there's a bunch of good people, good massive group that are people that are mostly good, but the country we live in collectively is kind of like, eh, you know, you know I mean, it's all right. It could be better though, you know. And, and yes, it could be worse. That's not really a selling point for me though. The the like the selling point of a lot of conservative friends of mine is that well, it could be worse. If you don't like you, you can leave. It's like 
Well, why don't we just make it better? I don't want to. I would wouldn't mind living somewhere else for a while, but you know that's just more because I just want to explore more of the world. But also, just would be nice to get out of the American bubble. The strange, weird bubble it is, because there's all kinds of bubbles within bubbles. I'm in one of those bubbles within the bubbles currently, and gonna have my final little phase of it, I think, here in the next many months grind through in a nice tourist town, hopefully make some good bucks and drift away from this little mini bubble into the bigger bubble of the broader mainland, off-island as we call it here. And uh, kind of excited for it and also excited for a good long stretch here, one last good stretch here and maybe make solidify some connections so I can drift back easily because it's a good place that will go nameless on this particular podcast for obvious reasons figure it out for yourself is that the place is that place is where I'm at for me but what is that place for you probably isn't the exact same place as mine this was a place that I drifted to when I was a kid and so it's kind of cool that I ended up living here for a while in a while one of the longest as an adult it's kind of neat I was wanted to be one of those people that lived here in this place that I used to visit as a kid. I highly recommend doing that. There's a place you visited as a kid. I mean, you know, maybe not unless you want to work at Disneyland or something like that. But I mean like, you know, a town that you visited or something I thought it was cool. A little touristy town and it's worth checking out. Try try living there. A lot of times they're hiring at the beginning of the season. If you can work in the skilled trades or or just a good hard laborer, or can uh, cook. All times just good restaurants and stuff. I'm honing, hoping to hone my skills as a cook. I like cooking, even be more of a proper like cooking nice fancy meals proper. Getting better at plating them. But uh, yeah, actually cooking them proper in a wide variety of plates all at the same time. Being able to do that over many months, honing that skill. That's a good. This good solid skill that's not, uh, some places have high value on it, but uh, some places not as much. Be nice if there's more opportunity that people really want to pursue that to not have to like drudge away at McDonald's for a year or whatever. I did that, but it sucked. And just because I did it, I don't think the younger generation should have to do it. I realized how stupid it was while I was going through it, so hopefully future generations won't have to. They'll be able to, if they want to be a line cook, they can work at a proper restaurant where you do indeed have to even if it's burger flipping you have to you know manually flip and you're cooking everything to order all fresh meat and that kind of stuff okie dokie winding down on the sour good gorgeous day it is in this place hope it is where you are too stay safe out there make sure you register to vote god bless this is gary Thinking out loud.